It's the Utah Royals FC show, episode 105. Kind of wild, um, but I'm joined by Lucas. Lucas, how are you? I'm good, you know, just uh, getting ready to build a fence this week, which is such an exciting thing. I'm sure everyone who's listening uh, <laughs> is just stoked for me. Um, that sounds exciting. Yeah, but, other, you know, excited about that. It's going to be intense. Uh, how are you? Yeah. Good. Pretty. I mean, this is a time of year where I'm like, summer is over. I'm sad. I'm bummed. I'm cold. I'm wearing pants. I mean, I always wear pants, but you know what I mean? Like, can't wear shorts without being cold. Um, Yeah. Once October hits, I get into this weird, like, I don't don't like this season changing, weather changing, uh, daylight decreasing you're a very like you're not even a warm weather person you are like a hot weather person i i mean i'm from the southwest man i give me give me 90 100 degree weather and i'm happy but that is not yeah it's it's wild so it's okay i we have soccer and you know i feel like I mean, does soccer usually go this late into the year as far as NWSL? I think so. I think this year was the year that it was going to be in November, like the final. Yeah, it was like weirdly late because last year, I think it was in October. Mm-hmm. But um, the last Royals game, I believe, was in around this time in September. It was actually October 12th, 2019. What? Yeah, so, and I remember oh, looking it right. up. Yeah, I was at a wedding. You were at I a wedding. It. Mm-hmm. it was the last game. It was Houston Royals were in town, and I believe it was a win, like two to one. Um, so I mean, we can talk about that. Let's jump right into it. But um, this past weekend there was a game at Rio Tinto Stadium. Whoa, whoa, whoa! I feel like we are. Jumping way ahead here. We haven't even talked about Tottenham yet. And they won 72 uh, today. What? They beat Chelsea earlier this week. Uh, unfortunately, Tottenham Hotspur women did lose 4-0 in the North London Derby. But oh, no. Alex Morgan wasn't even playing. So it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter at all. Oh, man. I Did Harry Kane, didn't he have like a... 15th hat trick of his career mm. today. Good old I Harry mean, Kane. Big Daddy King, just mm. unbelievable. Well, sadly, they did not make Champions League because I that was all the hype today, and I was like, "Where's Tottenham?" Oh wait, <laughs> they're crushing it in the Europa League, playing uh, a team from Israel I had never heard of. Um, yeah, same. Maccabee mm. Haifa, Haifa. I'm not sure how to say it. Well, it's a biblical city, so it probably means something. Well, the Maccabees are. Like the like a tribe of yeah Israel or something to do with Passover. Come on, did it, isn't your degree in theology or something like that? Yes, and I recently learned that I am an eighth Jewish, which is really exciting. Uh, okay, no, funny. I did my uh, genealogy too, and it said I was two percent European Jewish. Ooh. So look, we're cousins. Crazy. <laughs> um, but yeah, Tottenham. If 
can't win Champions League or Premier League, there's always Europa League. And now that I'm like an eighth Jewish, I feel a little bit less uncomfortable using the Tottenham supporter nickname, which is Yid, which is kind of offensive to Jewish people. Uh, But, you know, it is what it is. (laughs) Yeah, I did not know that. Maybe I did when I... When I was researching the club, because I was looking for a Premier League team, and I was like, oh, these guys, they're cool. And I remember sending my friend all of these reasons to cheer for Tottenham. And I think one of them was, said something to do with um, how they were trying to crush that part of their history. Because I was like, oh, they have a bad history with that. Well, um, it it came from them being in a fairly like heavy heavily Jewish population neighborhood in mm. North London. Um, and so they had a lot of like Jewish supporters. And so they would, I think, call themselves the Yid army. Mm-hmm. Um, but now it's like, you know, they're not super Jewish. A lot of people who are Jewish find that kind of offense to have thousands of non-Jewish people like chanting Yid army and we are mm. the Yids and things like that. So mm. it's kind of weird. I don't yeah. love it. My 2% European Jewish does not appreciate that. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, okay. So now that we've gotten important Totten- Tottenham news out of the way, um, shall we talk Utah Royals FC? I think I'm ready to, to move on to that, yes. Okay. Um, we should call this the uh, Tottenham slash Utah Royals FC show. That'd be really funny could like do a mix um there there is some podcast in like here in town that's like rsl and everton or something like Mm. really specific where there's probably you know 10 people who (laughs) are interested in both of these not super huge clubs so you know that could be us we should yeah i mean if you are a tottenham hotspur fan and a Utah Royals FC fan, um, go ahead and give us a shout on Twitter, and we will glad you, gladly uh, add you to the fan club that we are in. <laughs> um, so yeah, speaking of Utah Royals FC, um, there was a game this weekend at Rio Tinto Stadium for the first time since forever. Um, which that was October 12, 2019, as we mentioned earlier. Oh, you have it in the notes. That's yeah, perfect. I do. Yeah, um, yeah, you know. Um, so, yeah, there were fans. And, you know, we're in the middle of a global pandemic, but it's okay. Fans can be there. Um, and actually Stockton sh- shared a photo, and he was for a very large stadium that they could easily spread out, like, I don't know, the 500 fans that were there. I don't even know what the attendance was. I don't think it was, it was either, announced. Yeah, it was either tw- – no, it was, it was. I think it was 1,400. It yeah. didn't look that many to me, but it was, like, I think between twelve and 1,400. Yeah, which is – like, they, you have a big stadium. You can spread out those 1,200 people. But Stockton looked very close to the person, like, people behind him and in front of him. It was so bizarre because I'm like, mm-hmm. uh – um so yeah i so i i was at the game uh taking the photographs i i thought it looked pretty spread out um it seemed to adhere to like six six feet apart 
for the from what I could see, but I think the larger question is like, is it even is it even worth it to have fans in the stadium? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. Do you, was could you? I mean, from the TV perspective, you could kind of hear some cheers and excitement, but I don't know. I mean, obviously, it wasn't the atmosphere we're used to at Rio Tinto Stadium with, you know, 10,000, 9,000 fans. Yeah, it was, there's definitely the most atmosphere um, from like an NWSL game I've I've heard this year. Um but it it did still feel like it felt weird. It didn't feel like there was really like chance um, or a lot going. But like, you know, Marcus is there with his family and they've got their flags going, which is really cool to see. Mm-hmm. Um, and it to me, it felt as responsible as you could do it. The thing that kind of scares me is they being willing to have up to five thousand people because um, mm-hmm. I I would think that's too many. And what I've kind yeah. of always said to myself is. I'm going to go as long as I feel safe. Um, yeah. And if it feels like there are too many people, like I'm not going to get in trouble with like soapbox if I just bounce and don't have game day photos. <laughs> Matt will be like, uh, Lucas. What the hell are you doing, man? <laughs> Where are my photos? Yeah. Um, that sounds just like. Him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, appreciation time for Matt Montgomery, our what is managing editor is his title at soapbox um grand emperor of the soapbox mm-hmm. universe yeah doesn't listen so we can say whatever we want about true. him you have no idea um plays way too many board games eats way too much chocolate he's a star trek fan i mean he's just a nerd <laughs> it was funny because when the news on the coach broke i was like I was late and I'm, I was in bed. So he was up and got the story going. And he said he goes to bed at 1 to 2 a.m. Oh, man. I missed that. That's yeah. way past bedtime. I read So I read the article in bed on my phone and I was like, oh, you missed a period like on one of the sentences. And he's like, oh, can you fix it? And I was like, <laughs> I'm like I could get up. And I was like, no, I'm in bed. <laughs> yeah. I was like, yeah. Pride 1045. He's usually the one that I go to when I need great wisdom in my life to deal with things. So, you know, before we went ahead and talked, published the article on Craig Harrington, I was like, Matt, can we do this? No. Um, I mean, that's so. exactly what I did for the article about, you know, the Utah, the RSL like organization culture and Andy Carroll. Mm-hmm. And uh, so he re- read it. So did his boss and so did a lawyer and uh, <laughs> that was nice and i was like you know if matt gives the approval he can get in trouble not me <laughs> exactly you know it's like well he actually gave me the green light to go i'm just a lowly editor mm-hmm. um of the utah royal side um which i need to make do another piece on I, I only have one piece on the RSL side. I should add another one. Yeah, you really need to start doing more like yeah. RSL analysis and just I know. I should do the about. um the what we learned RSL side. I'm just practice like, they suck us born in Kansas City. <laughs> or what we're watching 
I do the match previews for Utah. I can do them for RSL. No. You know, easy stuff. Um. Anyway, yeah. So game back at Real Tinto, which was actually really cool because it gave an opportunity for these newer players to play at the stadium. Um, I believe King, pretty much everybody that's come around, um, <laughs> which is like half the squad. Yeah, the whole squad is basically we've ne- like a lot of those players had never even trained at Rio Tinto, which is insane. bananas. Yeah, it's 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 insane and really cool at the same time. Um, and obviously we can talk about that, but it was two to two final score. Um, thought Utah was going to get the win, but that was not the case. Yeah, when I they mean, went up 2-0, it was yeah. like, oh, they're cruising. Psych. Um, Amanita Diallo and Ciara King put Utah up like 2-0. to zero. So Diallo just takes this nice shot from outside the 18, and it was really yeah. pretty. Low with like good power on it, it kind of mm. skipped, but you could see the power when it hit the back of the net and just rolled up super fast. I rewatched this goal like 15 times today. Uh, it was, yeah, it was really sweet. So, her first goal, obviously, with Utah, um, and that was really cool. And then mm-hmm. later on, King, I believe it was a pass from oh, I want to say Radcliffe, yeah, it was. Um, okay. because I have a picture of Radcliffe passing and i missed king actually heading it which mm. is fine it's like you know it, i got a good photo of the person with the ball just not where it went uh and yeah what like a just a beautiful header it was it was really pretty so two zero there um and then unfortunately the old rain come back and um score one of their own bethany balser I believe that was, it just seemed like crazy communication. And Lucas, you actually posted a photo about yeah. that specific moment. So there's some really good skill. Um, like there's a really smart little pass that re- puts Balser in the space, but the back line is, mm-hmm. has left this massive gap mm-hmm. um, right in the middle and like there's one player at least I can't actually tell who it is from the screenshot um, mm-hmm. who just like standing f- like fully stopped not running not not like they're kind of in position to um, like take out a passing lane but someone else is already doing that it seems like poor defensive communication and again there's this massive gap so Balser who's I, I've been really impressed by this year um was just able to like receive that pass and she's in one-on-one um, and like slots at home, you know, pass louder who I thought overall had a really good debut um, except for, you know, sort of this five minute gap where I do think the defense kind of failed, mm-hmm. uh, failed her kind of failed the team a little bit, unfortunately. And that happens. Um, we can talk about the, the second goal too, but it's kind of similar where, you have um, kind of four pl- four Royals players, I think around ball service. I think at this point they're like, we're not going to let her get in space. Mm. Um, and all this space out on the on their left, um, so kind of the right side of the screen. Um, 
And then that's where the attack comes from because there are just kind of once again acres of space mm-hmm. um, where players aren't stepping, aren't challenging, um, have really given the control over to Rain um, mm-hmm. in the attacking third. And that's just like, that's bad. That's poor defending. Um, yeah. And I think that that is going to happen with a lot of young defenders. Like it, it is crazy to look at this mm-hmm. um, defensive lineup where at least with the center backs, you, you know, um, well, if you include louder, like she obviously wasn't playing last year as this was her debut, the center backs are Elizabeth ball and Kate Del Fava, who I think have actually been quite good for the team. Um, but certainly, you know, had nothing to do with the Royals last year. Um, and then the outside backs, Bowen, who is, you know, pretty rock solid, not perfect, but solid. Um, and Weber, who's also like pretty good, even though she's more of a winger. Um, yeah, so like you kind of have of those five in the back, like really four are not necessarily your ideal starters. And that is going to have an effect on, you know, how strong this defensive unit is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so just some very unfortunate um, defensive mistakes that led to. Uh, all the rain getting that you know the two goals to capitalize it and keep it at 2-2 um and it, it is kind of crazy that they score in the 23rd and 28th minute um like very quickly i think that second goal probably comes a little bit from being rattled from the first mm-hmm. and then defensively I mean, both teams obviously turned around because there weren't any other goals past the 20th minute. But mm-hmm. I did think Utah cleaned it up and kind of got it together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so there were a couple of instances where it could have easily been – either team could have easily broken the deadlock. I think um, Amy Rodriguez had a couple of chances. Mm-hmm. I think Radcliffe had a chance. So King had another one in mm-hmm. the second half. Yeah. So it was definitely a a close, close. It could have ended three two easily either team, but it ended up two to two. Um, so it was it was obviously the first team, the first game without you know a week removed from all the craziness of the Craig Harrington situation, and you know first time that the club is actually playing under an Amy LaPelbit game plan. Um, so yeah, Lucas, overall thoughts on just th- how the team performed under LaPelbit as their interim head coach. Um, yeah. Overall thoughts. Yeah. I think um, massively better this week than the week before. I, I think Portland is never an easy place to play. The Royals have never won there. Um, Portland is a really good team right now. I think, uh, you know, we're going to talk about them a little bit later, but I think getting away from, honestly, just a really dramatic situation with both your head coach and an assistant coach being put on leave, probably not going to stay with the club, um, is is super intense. Like, that's obviously going to have an effect on the field. Um it would be just crazy if they had gotten a, a result in Portland, um, given those circumstances. 
Um, and I think, yeah, Lapelbet having a whole week to take the reins and probably not walk in uh, feeling a little rattled, a little like flustered and like, this is like a huge deal and a lot is going wrong right now and I have to try to salvage it. Like she's got some time um, to get some perspective. Um, she seems like such a calm presence too. Like the both the press conferences I've been in with her, she just seems like very relaxed and collected. Um, yeah, not, you know, like not a very loud personality, but I think like honestly a really good personality to be in charge of this week and probably through this whole fall series of uh, can't imagine that they make a significant coaching hire while there's no real owner in charge. I mean, what, yeah. So what did you think of her, uh, her game plan and kind of how the team did overall? Yeah. They're very impressed just overall with um, very different team from the week, uh, not week before six days prior in Portland. Um, And you've, there's just been a lot of positives from players about just what Utah has released about just, and I believe there was a press uh, media thing, which I keep missing this media things. I need to remember there's zoom that makes life a little bit easier to mm-hmm. reach players, but um, yeah, there's just a lot of po- positivity around her right now and how she's been able to, you know, just get the team focused and unite them. Um which, which is really cool. Um, I think the thing I really just appreciate from Coach LaPelbit is she's been a player in this league. She understands how this league works. Um, I mean, she's a Olympic gold medalist. She was with the national team as well. Played in the World, the World Cup. Um, won in the NWSO Championship. Like, Amy LaPelbit has a lot of experience as a player. And so... She understands probably more than anybody as a coach in the NWSL what it takes to be to play in this league. So I think that experience um, kind of just brings this trust from the players and you know confidence that like okay you've done this before you understand this league and you know for those younger players it kind of I mean any I think any national team player who eventually comes to coach in the league you're gonna be like whoa. You're, you know, I watched you play. I, you're someone I looked up to. Um, Becky Sobran. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, this is probably uh, one of the people that helped sharpen Sobran's yeah. craft. So that's it's true. The, it's true. It's yeah. true. Um, so, yeah, I think overall team looked a lot sharper than the game against Portland, like you said. And just and, a better game plan. Yeah, and looking at the stats, um, they actually had one fewer shots against um, the rain than they did against the Thorns. Um, but of those shots, eight were on goal, whereas only three were on goal um, in Portland. So that's like, they had 14 shots, eight of those were on goal. That's a really good percentage of shots on goal. Um, whereas, um, yeah, the rain only had 10 shots and only two of those were on goal, which is pretty frustrating that they scored two goals um but mm-hmm. still good on the defense outside of that to limit those shots um and yeah certainly an improvement from utah yeah yeah it was good um 
so what we learned from this game, um, just a few things, and these are a few things that um, uh, Dave, who is on our helps with the Utah Royals FCs, um, yeah, side this year, um, really stepped in. And I actually agree with his points that he made, but I wanted to share some of them because I think they're very important points. Um, he said, and Dave Shever, is that his last name? I don't want to mess it up. Uh, yeah, I think so. Okay. Um, he does a lot of the Monarchs coverage, so mm-hmm. um, really studies the game, really pays attention. I feel like sometimes I can watch a game and be like, oh, cool. And then, but there are some, you know, a lot of you, like Virtual's really good at this, um, Stockton, like you guys are just really good at picking up details that I easily miss, so mm-hmm. I appreciate that. That's why we have a good team. But um, Dave... Just wanted to share some of the things he said of what we learned, which I was like, yeah, for sure. Uh, young players are the future. Diallo, Ball, Elizabeth Ball, Kate Delfaba, and King seem to have broken through to find regular time on the field. Um, the both goals that were scored were by newcomers, Diallo and, Delf- and King, I'm sorry. The very long strike by Diallo in the corner and a wonderful wide open header by Ciara King. The Royals created another six shots on target and seem much more connected on offense than last week in Portland. Um, so yeah, and then we can we talked a little bit about the defensive side of the thing needs to help you know maybe work on those holes that they are. <laughs> There's just so much space in the defensive side that they allowed for the rain goals to come through. So. Um, yeah, those are just yeah. a few things that we learned from this one game. Yeah, and totally agree with that. I, I, My thought about King was it felt like she grew into this game despite having scored pretty early. Like she, I think she's a player who needs minutes. Um, and to me, this is the sharpest game she's had. Um, and so I think that's super fun to watch her do well. Um, and yeah, it was also great to see um gabby vincent get a, a, you know a whole half out there she came out um at the half for diallo um and she didn't have she's not the most experienced center back in the roster but she did have a good amount of experience last year especially alongside um sam johnson and then later uh corsi um during kind of the u.s's run of the world cup so great to see her get some more time i don't know why we've seen so little of her but um to me she she does definitely deserves more time on, on the field yeah it was good and i think that was one of the things we noticed at the challenge cup was that was weird right that she yeah. didn't get a single minute during the challenge cup it was so bizarre um and also king didn't see a lot of playing time like i expected her because she scored in the first game, so clearly you saw she was um, a key player, or at least a player who could make an impact. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was just bizarre. So, yeah, and I think that's what I love seeing about 2020, you know, Fall Series Royals is we we are thinking less and less about those seasoned players, like, Kelly O'Hara and Kristen Press and all those those players that we were just so used to 
thinking we could re- that the team could rely on. But this is exactly what this team needs. It needs those that young talent. It needs those players who can grow. And the only way they're going to grow is by getting minutes. And, mm-hmm. you know, LaPelbit has, she has experience working with, you know, the younger players. She coached the reserves, the Utah Royals FC reserves, and they went to the championship game too. So it's just exciting to see these younger players getting the opportunity because, and I'll continue saying this, we want this league to grow. If we want this team to, you know, develop, we can't rely on the players that are, you know, in their later years of their career. You gotta develop those young players, and so I'm glad that Utah is in that direction finally. And we're, they talked about it and how much they wanted to, but you know, it. I think it wasn't something they were trying to do immediately. But with so much, so much happening this year, with you know, players going over to Europe, players being traded, players opting out, like you didn't have a choice. And so here's your chance, and. These youngsters are making the most of it, and it's it's super exciting. Yeah, totally agree. I mean, this I mean, the fall series is basically friendlies. It doesn't count towards anything. Not even the like. Unfortunately, the goals don't even count for overall like NWL goals. So, King still I think just has one goal to her name from the one in the Challenge Cup. Um, mm-hmm. I, I believe that one counts, but like the one. Uh, against the rain doesn't uh, which is just kind of a shame and such a weird way to do this but like Diallo's goal won't count on her NWSL stats Um, and so if like there's really not a lot of consequence to these games already a crazy year like develop the kids I think that's the best investment you can make right now for sure but, I mean, they count in our hearts, Lucas. Absolutely they do. And it's, mm-hmm. like, kind of outrageous that they don't count on paper. Yeah. NWSO, come on. You didn't have a season. This is our season. What are you talking about, eh? Um. <laughs> <laughs> eh? Eh? My, my, my dad lives in New York, so I can be, like, I can use my New York accent. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's probably really bad. All right, so let's talk a little bit about um, Coach Amy LaPelvit. Um, she is the in- interim for now, but, and obviously we've seen one game from her as a fit. I mean, like, I don't think we can count the Portland game as her being like, you know, this is her first, yeah, it, her first game, sure, but not really her game plan, her strategy. Um, so yeah, I felt like the Portland game was just sort of dumped on her as like, (laughs) you know, just like, okay, like this has to be done. Here you go. Um, Yeah. Not that that is necessarily anyone's fault, but, um, this felt more, yeah, more like her game. Yeah. So the, the fall series will end in a couple of weeks. Um, in my opinion, I think it would be crazy if Utah wants to do another crazy coach search. Um, 
I, I think it, you know, remove the inter intern from her title and just hire her as the as as the head coach. Um, and this is we're going by the reports that point to Craig Harrington no longer being the head coach. Um, Harrington has allegedly made multiple inappropriate comments of a sex sexual nature to staff. Uh, the Equalizer reported this week that he is expected to be out of the organization. Um, the club statement is Utah Royals FC head coach Craig Harrington has been placed on a temporary leave of absence from team activities, including upcoming matches. This matter is ongoing and is unrelated to the investigation underway by the NWSL. He has not been fired and the investigation is still ongoing. <laughs> LOL. Sure. Um, <laughs> but and we actually wrote that out in the show notes. <laughs> I did. I was like, LOL. You not want to miss this point, you guys. <laughs> no, I really wanted to be like, LOL. Sure. Um, sorry, Utah PR, if you're listening. Um, but obviously it's, you know, just by the reports, and I trust Equalizer Soccer and, and their sources. I don't think they're pulling this out of, you know, their sock and being like... An idiot. <laughs> an idiot. I dare you to eat a sock. Um, I'm just if kidding. Jeff Kasuf is wrong in this. We call on him to eat a sock. Did you hear that, Jeff? Probably not. But um, it, it's just a matter of legal matters at this point and if you are utah pr you can't if there's you know it's a yeah legally, it's an open investigation yeah legally they can't be like well yeah duh but you know yeah. we can't reach out to them for comment if harrington is going to be fired and them just go maybe <laughs> that's not how this works they uh can really only reiterate the statement they've already already put out Mm -hmm. That's fine. But yeah, I think to your point, the Equalizer is a reputable, you know, mm -hmm. women's soccer news organization. I think they probably checked and double checked. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Like we did. We are reputable. <laughs> That's right. We That's got right. lawyers. That's right. We do got yeah. lawyers. Um, At least Fox Media does. <laughs> oh, thank you, Fox Media. Um, Big Daddy which Box, is, <laughs> which is funny because when I got thanks for giving out my number, Lucas. Um, <laughs> you gave out my number to Meg. Oh right, I was like, I don't think so. Uh, <laughs> but yes, I did. Uh, and and I was like, OMG, I'm in trouble. And so I was like, well. Time to call up those lawyers. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, you just had an auto reply directing Meg to uh, Box Media Legal Team. I should have been like, excuse me, Meg, speak to my lawyers at Box Media. Um, but yeah, so should all that happen, and it's, I'm guessing it's only a matter of time and that we get the announcement, the official. But should Utah Royals FC move towards a new coach, which all point all signs point to probably, um, would Amy be a good coach? Yeah, I think she has a ton of potential. Here's where 
I do. So I love the idea of Amy LaPelvet being a head coach, but Deloitte always talked, Deloitte Hansen, the owner, always talked about wanting um, the Royals to be the best women's team in the world. Um, like you don't hand over the keys to the best team in the world. Like you to like a brand new coach who's never had significant experience. Okay, well now I'm thinking of Pep Guardiola because that's exactly what happened to him with Barcelona after one year of coaching Barcelona B. Uh, so maybe Amy LaPelvet is the Pep Guardiola of uh, the NWSL. That would be very okay. Um, which means who is our Messi? Uh but um Kristen Press, duh. Yeah, I mean Yeah, you know. Just unloading to Manchester United, not even unloan, something different. But I, I do think mm. I do think they should have a search. Like if there should always be competition for those top jobs. Um mm. the Royals at least desire to be a top club in the women's game. They're they are not right now. Um mm. They've never made the playoffs, which by definition means you are not a top team. Um, if they were like, you could make a strong argument that North Carolina courage is the best team in women's soccer in the world club team in women's soccer in the world. You could also um, make that case for um, Leon. That would probably be a little bit easier to argue um, feels like England as a league is really getting their stuff together, which is kind of a little scary. Um, but and I Australia. Think, oh yeah, and they're they're like gonna host a World Cup, and so they're, you know, they've got a short season, but yeah, they're doing well. Um, and yeah, there's so there's more competition. I think. My I don't know. I'm sort of split on Amy. Like I, mm. this league needs more women coaches. I love the idea of a former national team player, a former uh, league player growing into that. She certainly put in a good chunk of time at the youth level, at the, at the assistant level, coaching a reserve team. Um, so I, I'm not opposed to it, but I'm also of the mind that, Let's see what other what other coaches are available. I mean, Phil Neville, like, what's up? What's up, dude? Just kidding. Get out of here, Phil. You. I can't believe you just said that. Jill Ellis, welcome to Utah. <laughs> Jill. What other love- what other coaches do you love? Oh, I don't know. I'm trying to think of like. Here's the thing. I there. The, th- the thing with coaches in women's soccer, they're very limited. Um, and so you, going outside of it, I'm like, well, who are you going to bring in a college soccer coach? Sure. Um, I mean, that's a lot of the national team coaches came up through college, which is kind of crazy. Vladko Andonovsky, sure, bring him in. Um, I th- I think he might have a job that he I think, prefers, yeah. unless he wants to come to an organization that is <laughs> falling a apart. A little bit of a dumpster <laughs> fire at the moment. Yeah, but also um, that could reflect U.S. soccer too. That's true. Um, who was the 
president for U.S. soccer. What was his name? Sunil Galati? Yeah, he can be the coach. Uh, I don't know (laughs) if he knows how to coach. Just kidding. But, I mean, you'll either go to the college ranks, international ranks, which I'm like, I can't tell you who internationally there is. Um, Or, yes, stay within the league. And, you know, who are the assistants out there from successful things? Teams. Um, North Carolina, Courage has a good coach, assistant. You know, Portland. We already tried Chicago. But, I mean, if they want to head hand back Scott Parkinson, we'll be okay with that. So that um, like that is one that I have thought about. Because Scott seemed to be loved by the players here, seemed to be – it's true. Really respected. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, honestly, is just one of the nicest dudes in the world. Yeah. If you have not met Scott, then like your life is just incomplete. And I'm sorry for you. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, like his wife has a really great job in Chicago working with the mm-hmm. um, Obama Foundation. Like that's kind of a hard sell, but he might. I don't know. He. Mm. He got pretty far in the interview process last time around. The thing I think I keep coming back to is who signs off on a head coach hire when the owner is selling the club and has like is not allowed to conduct business with the club. Mm. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. And so this is my pitch for Emile Pelbit as coach. Okay. She obviously has the credentials as a player, and I talked about it earlier. She has experience in the league as a player. She's a former U.S. national team player. She understands the young talent working with them um, in Utah. She's been in Utah for a while, even before the Utah club was a Utah club, the URFC club. We finally got an answer in that, too, which was really cool. She moved here, but she had, like, family here and got a job um, I knew she was coaching club, but I didn't have any idea that she had like family out here, which she mentioned, I think in the post-match, um, okay. one of the post-match press conferences. And uh, it's like, oh, that's really fascinating. Yeah. So she knows Utah really well. Um, so, and she's been with the organization for, I believe, since the beginning I, I think, and this was um, Mr. Jeff Kasuf from um, The Equalizer who leaked things on, which is so funny. Okay, let's go back and talk. Equalizer soccer is great, but the fact that they share the news on Craig Harrington on their private email list, which I'm pretty sure was going to leak. Which I was uh, <laughs> I'm on that email list. Didn't realize it. <laughs> yeah. Psych. And there's nothing posted. And you're like, that's so weird. What's going on? Yeah. yeah, I mean, he said if Utah ends up needing a new head coach, which appears to be the direction the Ubroyos are headed, how do they not go with ex-U.S. National Women's National Team defender Amy LaPelbit? She has led the reserves and been groomed as a first-team assistant for a couple of years now. And and I get it that, you know, you want to be the best. Um, but I don't know. I I think 
since the organization is a dumpster fire right now, um, not that like they can't get anybody else, but I'm like, why not just go within, which I think is what they should have done. Parkinson should have been head coach. Um, yeah. yeah. I heard the story around that and it is honestly kind of maddening because it all goes back to Deloitte and it just seems Ugh. like, what the hell, dude? Ugh, just insane. So, okay, yeah. I'll allow it. I'm fine. We can <laughs> let's let's sign off on Amy. Thank you. There we Warm go. Over. Yes, one thing I've done successfully. Although the one other coaching endorsement we did make did not happen, <laughs> so maybe one more of a curse. Maybe Lapelva doesn't want our endorsement. But that was that was not our fault. In the perfect ideal world, Scott Parkinson is Utah Royals FC show. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> he probably should host. <laughs> Which is, oh, he has like the best accent. I don't know what episode it is. Let me look it up. But if you have not listened to episode of the Utah Royals FC show where we have Scott Parkinson. Scott and Laura, right? Yeah. I think Laura just popped in and was like, hello, laddies. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I shouldn't try accents. I'm done. Um. Okay. The New York accent is so good. So uh, it was so good. What? Oh, my Spanish one too. Remember that one? Yeah, I mean, all phenomenal. Mm, thank you, thank you, sir. Um, okay. So speaking of coach, um, we learned also this week that Nikki Washington joined Utah Royals FC as an interim assistant head coach, assistant coach, head coach, interim assistant, assistant coach, assistant coach. Um. Yeah. So totally just for, apparently just for the fall series. Um, and I'm guessing there was some like connection of she knows Emily Pelbit and, you know. Yeah, I mean, guess. she played around, um, she, she played in the NWSL, played in, oh, the league before it. Uh, I should know the name of it. It's w, uh, WPS. P-S. Thank you. Um, so I would assume played with LaPel, but, uh, possibly different points. She's played in a ton of different mm-hmm. teams. Um, but yeah, like this, this news broke in kind of a weird way. Uh, it was like mm-hmm. one of her friends, uh, mm-hmm. I, I think friends like congratulating her on the job. And that was the only place we've heard this. At least at that point, that was the first time we'd we'd heard that come forward. It's since been verified. Yeah. Um, yeah. I believe that's the one. I believe she may be the head coach of the Wisconsin team. But I'll have to go back and look at the tweet. Um, but yeah, super young, only 32 years old, played in Portland. She's a former NWSL player. Played in Portland in 2013, which was the league's first year. She had 11 appearances with Portland. That's the same team that won the NWSL championship that year. And then she got, she was a part of the expansion draft. So she got drafted by the Houston Dash in 2014. She made three appearances with the Dash before being traded to the Boston Breakers, where she made 15 appearances. And then she retired right before the 2015 season. 
Washington also captained the United States team that won the 2008 FIFA U20s Women's World Cup winning team um, and played 65 minutes during the final. She was a member of the U23 national team in 2009 uh, and 2015. In the summer, she joined Texas Christian University women's soccer team as the director of operations. And later on in 2015, she joined the University of Washington's women's soccer team as an assistant coach. Um, so it was not Wisconsin. I'm sorry. Um, I wonder if she just says, oh, this is the university of me. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Interestingly, um, former... RSL general manager uh, Craig Weibel had also been a soccer coach at mm. University of Washington. Go Huskies. Mm. I, I am on their soccer website right now, and she's not listed, but with it being such a weird year, I just don't know if this is accurate information. Well, if she got a new job, why would she? Yeah, I don't know. That's a good mm. question. I don't know. I don't know. Um, so yeah, and another note that's been, uh, shared, which is really cool. She is the first black woman coach in the NWSL. Um, you know, for a women's league. Yeah. I mean, that's great that this happened. It's terrible that it's just now happening. Yeah. Which is kind of bad. Okay. So Leslie Gallimore. She is a former head coach at the University of Wisconsin's national team. So that's the connection. Why was I thinking Wisconsin? What's wrong with me? Um, WS. So, yeah. Um, so excited to see, hear more from her. I think it's really cool and awesome that, you know, that I believe everyone on the coaching staff for Utah is a woman. Um, Caitlin Young is also an assistant coach in Utah, and then adding Washington and then Lapelbit as a head coach. Um, heck yeah! Well, there are some dudes floating around as well. Oh, yeah, um, they, I think they brought in um, the uh, University of Utah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Head, yeah, yeah. Men's head coach as like a consultant or temporary assistant or something to kind of like help the team. There were at least two or three um, men kind of around the coaching staff that I did not recognize on Saturday. Mm. Um, one, like, yeah, it was kind of, it was strange because I'm like, I have no idea who these people are. Um, Same. I don't know. Maybe I should do some digging into that. Yeah. Okay. So crazy thing. I am on the Utah Royals. F- oh, never mind. I was going to say, who is this? Are you looking at the technical staff page? Yeah. I was like, oh. It makes sense that it's not updated yet, but. It's true. It's very true. So, yeah, super cool. I'm I'm excited to see how this team just continues to grow and develop under, um, even if it is an interim basis or longer term, cool. Um, I hope it's for a longer term, but. We wait and see. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we'll get more of a chance this coming weekend as Utah hosts Portland Thorns 
at Rio Tinto Stadium this Saturday. Um, it would be the third game out of four in the fall series. Game is at 8 p.m. Um, it'll be on CBS Sports Network. And so it'll be a rematch from the last game where they met on Sunday, September 20th, where Portland obviously derailed Utah 3-0. to um, Yeah, so what are we watching, hoping for in this upcoming game, Lucas? What is CBS Sports Network? Can you see that through all access? I just don't know what that is. <laughs> yeah, so it'll be like, I believe, on the actual CBS Oh, wait, no. That can't, I, I doubt it. Don't quote me. CBS Sports Network is just... You can stream it, I think, on the Sports Network TV Whoa. site? Yeah, I bet I bet it's... I bet you can get it through All Access if you have that, which if you don't, you should. Um, but it's probably like an extra cable channel that doesn't mm-hmm. come like you know CBS you can get over over the airwaves with like an antenna i bet mm-hmm. this is like you know mm-hmm. something you have to pay for with cable i wonder if i have yeah. this or not <laughs> you probably do you have everything i'm getting rid of cable soon and i'm excited what yeah you know we're getting rid of comcast because of <laughs> it's comcast and yeah. getting google fiber so that should make mm. things better for work because sometimes my internet does not work but yeah yeah, i mean this is going to be a really difficult game portland i think has been really fantastic Mm. um i honestly don't expect the royals to win this um because yeah portland is definitely you know one of the hot teams right now they just they beat us pretty badly they beat um the rain pretty badly they're they're doing they're doing pretty okay for themselves the one advantage is they do have a short turnaround from their last game like they played the rain um what two days ago so that would be like i think tuesday um and so the royals will be a little bit more rested elevation is always you know wild card uh i don't know what are you expecting from this game yeah, I'm I'm curious to just see who will be at goal. Um mm. I know Smith was out, so if she continues to be out, obviously another opportunity for Melissa Louder. She but, was out, but she was also in the eighteen. Yeah, yeah. So that to um, me would say there's a good that. chance she's available for this. Yeah. Um Yeah, no, Portland looks good. I'm like, oh, where does Portland always have to be good? It's kind of annoying. Um, but that's because it's easy to not like Portland. Um, but it's really hard now with Becky on the team. But <laughs> um, yeah, I'm kind of expecting them to obviously have learned a lot from the first game, and I think they are creating a lot of defensive mistakes. They hopefully get a little bit taken care of this coming week. So that's kind of what what I'm going to be watching for. We can see that if they, you know, play right and have those opportunities, they they can score the goals. And yeah, so need to fix those defensive mistakes. I think that's what I want to see the most. It's like 
can give up three goals to Portland again, can give up, you know, create those holes in the back line. Like you got to play a little bit more tighter. Don't lose sight of players. And, but that's, that's what I'm looking for. Um, so yeah, that is that. Cool. Yeah. So that's 8 PM mountain time this coming Saturday. If you want a brave going to Rio Tinto, go for it. Don't forget your mask. Um, It'll probably be dark at that time. Wear a jacket. Oh, chilly. Yep. Don't catch yep. cold or anything else. While you're there. Or, or Corona. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I mean, you can drink a Corona when you want to. Just don't catch the Corona. Not in Utah. Just kidding. Oh, I'm just kidding. You, you, you can go with Corona in Utah. <laughs> Oh, I love that. Oh, really? <laughs> 4%. Five now. Yeah. We're Whoa. Going crazy. You guys are growing up. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, all right. So just around the end of USL, not really big news. Um, obviously, the fall series, we can say it's, you know, doesn't really count, but actually does count a little bit. It does have a cool purpose. So the team with the most points at the end of the fall series will be awarded the Verizon Community Shield and the opportunity to present a grant of $25,000 to their community partner, which is made possible by Verizon. Um, $15,000 and $10,000 will be presented to the second and third place teams, respectively. The Verizon Community Shield is a partnership between the NWSO and Verizon. Uh, and so each each NWSL team has partnered with a small business in their community. Utah has chosen Journey of Hope, which is a nonprofit organization based in Sandy, Utah, that aims to provide support to women and girls at risk whose status put them in jeopardy for further harm and incarceration. Um, Journey of Hope empowers at-risk women and girls, the homeless, the trafficked, those fleeing domestic violence, the addicted, the mentally ill, women transitioning from jail and prison, and girls aging out of state services. Um, Journey of Hope provides resources resources through mentoring and case management. So um, I believe that was announced this past, I think, believe maybe yesterday. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, it seems like a really great organization. They've done a few videos um, about them, so go check those out on mm-hmm. the website or on, on social media. Um, mm-hmm. It always strikes me as a little bit weird that you have nine teams in the league, and this mm-hmm. is a typical thing in sports, but like three prizes, mm-hmm. and then you have like these organizations that are all doing really good, meaningful work, like just hoping that they that one of their you know their team wins one of those three prizes. Uh huh. So it's, that always just feels a little strange to me. It is like good strange. and Verizon for donating that money. That's awesome, but hmm. yeah, it's, it it does seem a little little odd. Yeah, like top three. Oh, and they hype like which is really cool because every organization got like its own little like every club announced who they were supporting, which came a little bit i mean it's like it's like the middle of the fall series yeah um but and yeah it's probably yeah. good exposure for all those organizations because like i wasn't yeah. aware that um uh that this like organization journey of hope even existed mm-hmm. so probably good 
for them, you know, that there's more awareness, but it'd be nice mm-hmm. if they had some, you know, funds regardless of a team's sport performance. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, yeah, really cool for them to do that. Um, but, yeah, I agree. Just, you know, maybe split up. The, I mean, like, obviously the first place should be able to give the mower, but then just kind of the next. Somebody gets something. And maybe they will. I don't know. Yeah. Um, so right now, Portland currently leads with nine points. Chicago Red Stars in second place. North Carolina is in third. Utah's in last place, so they have some work to do the next two games. Let's go. Uh, come on. So, yeah. Lucas, any final comments as we wrap up episode 105? Yeah. One thing that's soccer-related, not um, Royals or NWSL related, but um, in the USL, um, in second division last night, uh, San Diego Loyal was playing um, – Phoenix Rising, um, both teams are attached to really famous owners. San Diego Loyal is owned in part by U.S. men's national team legend Landon Donovan. Um, Phoenix Rising, partly owned by um, Drogba, who used to play for Montreal Impact, but is like a Chelsea legend. Um, he was just, if you don't know him as a, as, as a player, he was incredible um, striker. Um, but yeah, so there's a game, um, San Diego was leading, I believe three to one, uh, San Diego player got a red card and then was called a homophobic slur, um, by one of the Phoenix rising players, uh, really unfortunate Landon Donovan tried to get the, um, the ref Landon Donovan, I can't remember if I mentioned this is the, is the coach of the loyal. Um, and so he tried to get the ref to send off the player, tried to talk to the coach about, uh, of Phoenix about sending him off the coach's response. There's audio of this or video of this. You can, you can hear both the slur, um, which is yeah. Homophobic slur. I think it's Jamaican, um, but is really maddening the, the coach's response to Donovan because he's like, you need to like send like, the ref isn't going to send him off because he didn't understand what the term meant, um, which is kind of understandable. Like if you don't know what something means, you're not going to penalize someone for it. Um, But it was absolutely on Phoenix Rising's coach to do the right thing, send off that player. And so the loyal decided to forfeit the match, even though they're up three to one um, because they were not going to stand for that. Um, One, it's really sad to see this like, this kind of crap still happening because literally a week before um, a player against them had called, had, had used a, a racial slur. Um, and then this week uh, a player uses a homophobic slur. Um, it's just not okay. Um, and I think it's really commendable that Landon Donovan and his team decided we we're going to forfeit because we're making like, an incredibly strong statement that that is not okay and that we condemn this mm-hmm. and we are not willing to participate in a game where that kind of behavior is acceptable. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's really easy to be like, yeah, we support like inclusivity and LBGTQ and um, like no tolerance, zero tolerance for homophobia. Um, 
and then that not cost us anything like for us to just kind of make those statements affirm those mm-hmm. um but this is like in the business of soccer it is all about points it's all about winning and to be willing to sacrifice that to to speak out against this is probably the most pow- powerful statement i have seen any soccer team at any capacity make like mm-hmm because it actually costs something whereas really often it feels like you know uh pride month rolls around and you have like burger king has a rainbow flag and then 11 months out of the year nothing you know um but you know not to pick on burger king i'm sure they're just a commendable organization but you know like you have these corporations doing that and it really doesn't cost them anything whereas I, I just was impressed by there's a video of Landon talking about the incident and why they did what they did. Like go find that. It's kind of all over Twitter right now. Um, and yeah, like if there's really zero tolerance for this kind of language and um, homophobic speech in our, in our sport, like there needs to actually be consequences and those consequences should not be directed at those um on the receiving end of, of those insults, um, but the people making them, but yeah, good on the loyal, good on Donovan for making, making that stance. Yeah. It's, we're at a time where there's gotta be not just a post on social media or releasing a statement. It's, you know, actually taking action. And so, yeah, good, good on them to do that. Um, and should be done more, honestly, in professional leagues. And we saw that in the NBA when um, um, about a month ago and then MLS, I think just the whole, you know, sports, you know, it's it's a time where we, you know, we got to go beyond statements and Twitter posts and all that. So um, hopefully that continues in in the sports world because – Sports do, I mean, they have athletes, teams, they have such a platform in all over the world. So, um, yeah. 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 Well, I think that's it, unless Lucas has another thing to share. (laughs) Nope, just that. (laughs) Well, thanks for sharing those about that. I read read about it. I didn't look much into it. Um, Sometimes I'm just completely off Twitter. Um, probably for the best (laughs) yeah it's you know there was a debate two days ago yeah Yeah, I mean I didn't read about this till this morning because I I I don't think I was really on my phone last night Um, and so I felt like kind of behind the the ball I was like wait what is going on (laughs) same Um, so yeah I think that's all we got Thanks. Thanks for listening.